Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many, are one, uh, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And then uh, down in verse 18, it says, Now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Last week we were talking about uh, the importance of being in the place where God put you and where he planted you. And uh, let's look at our other uh, verse we looked at. Go to Psalm 92. And I want to make some more comments and, and maybe make some clarification uh, of some things, say, say some additional things. Hallelujah. Psalm 92, verse number 12 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. This talks about the steadiness, the steadfastness of God's people. And he says that uh, in our old age, we should be flourishing. We should be full of blessing. We sh- our lives should have a, uh, uh, there should be a bearing of fruit all around us. That we are that way because we are, we are like a, a planted palm tree or like the cedars of Lebanon. And, and it says we're that way by being planted in the house of the Lord. I just mentioned the, the, the uh, fact that we're supposed to be planted in the local church, not uprooted. Amen. And the reason I teach on these things is because I've seen uh, how the devil works uh, in times past and I know what he does to try to get people out of their place and I don't want to see anybody miss their blessing. Now, this verse in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, turn back over there to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I, uh, I stressed verse number 18 last week, how God has set the members, each one of them. What would that apply to you? Amen. He has set each one of them in the body just as he pleased. Now, now let me say this. I do not think, I'm not one of those who who believes that before the foundation of the world, God uh, had our current membership at Impact Family Church picked out. Now, God's foreknowledge is another, is another uh, uh, point. I'm not discussing that. I'm talking about God's uh, plan for us. I don't believe that God ordained that all of us would be sitting here tonight and he had it all figured out. We'd all be members and, and you couldn't be anywhere else. Because when you think about it, I know God's miraculous, but God would have to micromanage every human being from the beginning, from Adam to today, to get us all here. You understand that? I mean, you think about migration and, and, uh, you know, I mean, God would have to, God would have to be overseeing every human reproduction, every couple that gets together and, and where they live and where they move. And I mean, it's ridiculous. Okay, that's not, what I, that's not what I'm saying when I say that God has placed each one of us in this body just as he pleased. That's not what I'm saying. If you look at this passage, 
when he talks about the members, for as the body is one, verse 12, as many members and the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. He's using the human body. The body he's referring to there is your physical body. As the human body is one and has many members or organs and all the members of that one body being many or one body, so also is Christ. And then he says in verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, the human body is not one member, but many. For the foot shall, shall uh, for if the foot should say, because I am not a hand. Now in, when, when he's using the human body as an illustration of the body of Christ, notice he's not, He's not referring to the members of the body by their name or their individual identity. He's referring to them by their function, okay? So when when you started looking for a church, I believe the Spirit of God works with us. And you're looking for, for instance, you're looking for a church for whatever reason you've left the church that you used to go to or you felt like you needed to go somewhere else. And I'll tell you how I left a church uh, once and, and how that happened. But you're, you leave a church and you're looking for another church and by whatever your story is, you, you ended up at impact. Well, you, the first time you came, you, you uh, liked it or in the case of Michelle Green, you didn't like it. But uh, whatever the, whatever the, the, the uh, experience was, you came and you came back. Well, you see, as you prayed and this church seemed to fit you, it seemed to meet the needs that you were conscious of. Because you see, there are a lot of other churches in town. And, and, and God is meeting with a lot of people in a lot of other churches. This isn't the only church, not, only in this, not even in this town. Well, how is it that God placed you here? Well, God works with us. We, we were seeking him. We wanted to know what was best for our spiritual life, where we should go to church. So your, your situation is a little different from mine, so I'll talk about you. Uh, so you were seeking and you came here. Somebody invited you or you just drove by and saw it, you know, in the old uh, location, you know, in High Springs or after we moved out here. You started attending and, and you could have probably been blessed somewhere else, maybe not as well as you could have here because God knew your spiritual needs and what, what you needed. And so he, he led you here. Uh, he didn't make you come here. He didn't drive you here. He didn't take you over and set you here. But, but he worked with you. You ended up here. And as you prayed about it and as you attended the services, it seemed like this was a good fit. Well, you see, the Holy Spirit will then make you a part of a body because he, he, uh, he talks about in verse number 18, the Lord has set the members in the body, each one of them just as he pleases. So when you start attending this church, God set you here. It wasn't that he picked you up from Tucson and moved you over here and dropped you down and set you here. He worked with you but as you cooperated with the Lord, he cooperated with you and you become a member here and God joins you to this family. Well, then God intends for you to stay. You remember last week when I talked about how those times when I was preaching, the early 80s, you know, 
and sometimes I would look over my right shoulder. You remember that story? I remember I, in, right in the middle of my message, nobody knew what I was doing, but it just seemed like there is like zero anointing and nobody's paying attention. It's a good thing we didn't have tablets back then. Because, I mean, it, it, just, it just seemed like there was just no use. And, and I would look over my shoulder and look at that door, and the thought would go through my mind, you can, you can just run out that door right now. <laughs> just, just close your Bible, try to walk out that door. Don't say goodbye. Don't say anything. Don't say bow your heads. Just walk out. Get in your car and go home, and everybody just leave sitting there. And, 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 while, and while I'm preaching, I would think about that, and I would start laughing. I'm going to start laughing out loud. Nobody in the church knew what I was laughing at. But I was just laughing to myself how, how silly an idea that was. But you know the reason I didn't quit? You, you know why I didn't leave? The reason I didn't leave is because God said, come here. And he never said anything else. He didn't, he didn't reaffirm that every week. He told me one time to come here. Well, he actually had to tell me a couple of times. But, but once I accepted that, he never talked to me about it anymore. Amen. That's a good indication that you're not supposed to go anywhere. If the Lord said, come here, and he hadn't said anything else, then you don't need anything else. Now, let me tell you how my wife and I left a church one time. Because I believe, I'm, I, I'll say it, go the other route. I don't believe, not by a long shot, that everybody that leaves this church or any church, you know, is, is missing God. or uh, it, Every case is, is individual. We were in a local church in the, in the Church of God, North Jacksonville Church of God on, on uh, I-95 in, in uh, the north side of Jacksonville. And uh, early 70s, I got back in the fellowship of the Lord. Angela didn't right away. And, and uh, you know, I, I tried everything to get her to come to church and nothing prevailed, you know. And finally, I just left her alone. She started coming to church. Well, she hadn't been coming to church very long. I would not say she was on fire for God. She was just attending, Okay. And we had, we had been in that church, uh, you know, growing up, so we knew a lot of people. And so to her, going to church was just a social thing. It made, it, she didn't look as bad coming to church as she did staying home. Because now her husband's, you know, on fire for God, and he's, he's coming to church, you know, all the time. It would make her look bad to, to not come. So really, that's, she didn't really care, but that's, she came. Well, she hadn't been coming very long, and the Lord dealt with me about leaving that church. Now, I wasn't offended about anything. In fact, I went to the pastor, and, and we took a, a couple of months and, and uh, made sure that the departments we were working, well, the department I was working in, that uh, someone else, you know, was, was able to take that. I didn't leave anybody holding the bag. But finally, I went to the pastor, and I told him, you know, I said, we're going to be leaving. I said, now, we're not, we're not offended about anything. In fact, the pastor had just been assigned there. He'd only been there about a month. The general assembly had taken place, and we, our pastor had left, and this pastor had come. I said, I can't be offended at you. You just got here. I don't even know you. And I said, but, you know, the Lord is leading us on. Now, I, I knew this. I, ha I knew it had to do with ministry. I knew I was called into full-time ministry. And I knew it had something to do with, with me fulfilling God's plan. Now, what I, I won't tell you what I thought it had to do with it because it, it turned out it, it didn't. I, I felt like it had to do with ministry and I thought it had to do with, with uh, 
accomplishing a certain thing. That's why I needed to leave. Well, it turns out that's not, that's not what it was at all. But it did have to do with ministry. So we left that church. Angela didn't want to go. But uh, we had talked about it for several weeks and she had just, you know, here, here I prayed her and into church and now I'm going to uproot her, you know. And she didn't want to come to church and then she didn't want to leave church. And, uh, and so we, we discussed it and finally I just knew that the Lord was leading me, that this was something I had to do, that my future depended upon it. I didn't fully understand it. Uh, so I said, well, here's the thing. I said, next Sunday, I'm going to take my two boys and we're going to Living Word. Pastor Ron House is a pastor, and I, and, and I had been visiting over there uh, uh, on nights when we didn't have church. They had midweek service on alternative night. And um, so I knew him. He knew me. And I said, that's where I'm going to move. That's, that's where I'm going to start going to church. Well, she didn't then save face. You know, she didn't want to be back at the old church, and I'm somewhere else. So she came with me reluctantly. In fact, Pastor Ron told us later, he said, the first time your wife walked in the door, he said, he thought to himself, wow. He said, if looks could kill, I would have been a dead man because she was not happy to be there. But uh, we, we, we went there. But you know, Pastor Ron just loved her. He just reached out to her and loved her. And it wasn't very long till you know, all, I mean, she just thought he was wonderful. So she was happy. We were there about a year, maybe a little more than a year. And the spirit of God dealt with me to go to Ramah. Now here I'd been in this other church for several years. The Lord moves me. I'm in this church for a year. And then he, then he tells me it's time to go to Ramah. This was in January of 79. And uh, so now I've got something else to pray about where my wife is concerned. Uh, and you heard the story. She said, well, you know, we'll go in the ministry, but, you know, we're not going to pastor. I said, fine. You know, God didn't call me to pastor. I'm telling you, I didn't know a lot. Uh, so... The thing about it is that I was, the pastor I had now, he was a Rhema grad. He was such an encouragement to my wife and me. I mean, he was so, he helped us so much. I would not have received that same help in, in, at North Jack's Church of God. Wonderful people, good pastor, but that was a denominational church. They didn't know anything about Rhema. And they would have tried to persuade me not to go. What little bit they knew about the word of faith or they thought they knew they were, they were wrong about. They, did, they looked down on it. And so it would, they would not have been an encouragement to me. They certainly wouldn't have been any, the help that I received from this pastor. This pastor, I won't go into all the ways, but he really helped us, encouraged us and, and so forth. So in uh, uh, August then of 79, we uh, applied to Raymond in, in March, got my acceptance in, in, in August. We moved out there the end of August. Now, I, I went to Raymond one year. I was happy. I wanted to stay and fulfill the program. Angela didn't want to go, but she got out there, and very quickly, she, she loved it. She found a good job. They loved her where she worked. She, she never thought she could live apart from her parents. That was another reason we needed to get out of town, but that's another story altogether. She didn't think she could live away from her parents. She got out there and she realized that she could live without her parents. And it was really a good thing for us. She actually liked it. And it was a good thing for us in our marriage, you know. Uh, so things were, were going good. And then towards the end of the school year, uh, you know, in the spring of 80, the Lord says, now you go back to Jacksonville. Now, you think, boy, you're moving around a lot. Uh 
Now, when I left to go to Rama, that was a big step. I had a good job. I worked for the telephone company and uh, they liked me. Uh, I had a good, I had good future. I had a good future there. I was, I was advancing in uh, the technology that I was, that was emerging, which was, was uh, electronic solid state uh, switching gear. It's very, very primitive now, but uh, it was the cutting edge then. I was being moved along that track uh, to, to pull up and, and move, quit my job, move from Jacksonville to the middle of the country, to Oklahoma that I'd never been before. No job, nothing, just go to school. That was a big, that was a big deal. But I knew by the inward witness, I, the spirit, when I say the Lord spoke to me, I'm talking about by the inward witness. I knew it on the inside. Uh, I had a life insurance policy that cashed in. Last week I said it was a few thousand dollars. It was a few hundred dollars. Less than a thousand dollars. Huh? She says about $1,200. It wasn't much. I took that money and paid my tuition up front because I didn't want to be dealing with having to believe God for everything plus tuition payment every month. So I took that money, all the cash value that was in it, and uh, paid my tuition. So we started the school. Kind of a funny story. At the end of the year, uh, I started to school one morning and I was riding with these friends and we get in the car and, and you know, I'm riding with them so I got to go what they do. And they're talking about after, after school was out that day, they were going to go to uh, such, such a place, Goldie's, which was a, a, a place a lot of people wanted, a little sandwich shop. They were going to Goldie's and have lunch. I'm sitting in the back seat. I have no money, not a penny. Thinking, okay, this is going to be embarrassing. You know, how, and, uh, and I knew I could tell them, well, I don't have any money, and I know they would have bought my lunch. But I never believed in telling anybody about my needs. God had always provided for me without me making suggestions to anybody or dropping hints or anything. God had always provided. So I said, well, you know, the Lord will provide. You know, I don't know. I'm, we'll see as the day goes on, you know. Well, towards the end of the day, they announced that uh, everybody that... Uh, well, they announced that they, list, they read a bunch of names. They said, all of these people on this list, you need to report to the registrar's office right after class, registrar. Then the news kind of slipped out that it was for everybody that had, that had prepaid their tuition, they were getting a refund. That we had overpaid, we're getting a refund. So I thought, oh, good. So I run to the registrar's office, get in line. You know what the refund was? Two dollars and some change, like two dollars and thirty cents, something like that. I thought, really? I mean, even in 1980, that's ridiculous. I mean, for if and I paid my whole tuition up front, so nobody could have gotten a bigger refund than I did. So I'm thinking, you could have kept all these people's money and bought a couple of microphones for the platform. I mean, you know, it was nothing, but it got me lunch. And so God had always provided. He provided then, he's always provided since. But anyway, we were, we were at Ramah and then the Lord says, I want you to go back to Jacksonville. That was really a bigger step of faith because going out to Tulsa, I knew what I was, where I was going. I'm gonna be in school, I have a purpose. This is what God has for me for the next you know, two years. I thought, but going back to Jacksonville, I don't have a job. I had a good job, but I don't have that job anymore. And I have my children. God provided for us in Tulsa, but now we're going back to Jacksonville and see my family, my family and, and my wife's family in Jacksonville. I knew they would help us, but I'd never depended on anybody. 
I left my mama's house when I was 17 years old. I never depended on anybody. And uh, I made my own way when I was out of fellowship with the Lord. When I got back into fellowship with the Lord, he helped me make my way. And uh, so I thought, well, we'll see how this plays out. So we we graduated. I graduated from Ramah on May the uh, 23rd. Our anniversary was the 22nd, and that was a Thursday night. And we were having a, a, a student body communion service that night. So that's where my wife and I spent our 10th anniversary was in a communion service at Rama. And so uh, uh, the next day, the next night was graduation. That was Friday night. We moved on Saturday. No? The next Friday. So we moved the end of... Yeah, she had to finish her work week out. We moved on May the 30, 30th, which was a Friday. And did you know May the 30th, 1980 was a Friday? Well, it was. Uh, <laughs> We moved and, and we drove and spent the night, one night on the road, long hours. We got home to Jacksonville and we had a house that we had rented out while we were at Rama. Those people had vacated it, so we moved back into the house we owned and uh, started making mortgage payments again because the renters had been making those payments for us. Uh, we get into our house on Saturday night, start unpacking. Sunday, we didn't have much. Bedroom, furniture, our kitchen stuff. No living room furniture, I don't think. I don't think we had maybe a dining. Yeah, we gave what we had. It wasn't worth much. We bought cheap stuff and we were out there at a bargain, you know, flea market, and then we just gave it away. So we, we unpacked on Sunday. And so Monday, Sunday and Monday were unpacking. And so Thursday of that week, which would be June the 5th, 1980, I decided I'm going to go see my old pastor. You know, only been gone a year. So I went in and, you know, walked in Pastor Ron's office. And as soon as I walked in, he was on the phone. He said, here, I'll let you talk to him. The man I was talking about just walked in there, I'll let you talk to him. Gave me the phone. Well, I didn't know who was on the phone. Come to find out, and I told you the story before, in March of that year, some people in the Fort White area had contacted Rama uh, to find out if, there was, if Rama could recommend somebody that would help them establish a Bible study. And Rama. Uh, not knowing anything about the area. They knew about Pastor Ron. He was the, the closest Rama grad at that time, so they contacted Pastor Ron. Pastor Ron was busy. He was, had a church, and he had two or three Bible studies. He was doing up in Georgia every week and all over the place. He couldn't, he couldn't help. So he told them in March, he said, call me back 1st of June, and he said, I have some people that, that, you know, from my church that will be graduating and coming home from Bible school. I had told him we were coming home, and there was a couple more that were coming home. And he said, call me back. Well, the day, June 5th, when I walked into Pastor Ron's office, just before I got there, the lady had called. I think it was Elaine Hickson from Fort White. She had called because he had told told her to call back in June. Well, she did. And she called right before I walked in. And he said, actually, I told you I had some people coming back from Ramah, but the one man that I was thinking about just walked in the door. He said, I'll let you talk to him. So I got on the phone with her. That was June the 5th, and we made arrangements for me to come over here the next week, which was June the 11th. We had the 12th. We had our, excuse me, the 12th. We had our next, we had our first meeting in this area. That's just where the church started in this Bible study. And I didn't know anything about this area. The last time I had been over here is when I was backslidden in the 70s. We'd come over here and drive over here from Jacksonville and go tubing. Itchituckney wasn't even a state park then. Just out in the woods, holding the ground, and 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 you know we'd come over here and go too. By the time we got here, we were completely wasted. I don't know how we even kept from drowning, you know, but we were peaking about the time we got here, you know, to the to the river. 
So anyway, we, you know, I didn't know anything about High Springs or Fort White. So, you know, here's, here's my point. If God's leading you, there will be fruit in it. Now, what if I hadn't responded and left the church of God one, two, two years before? I, I, I sensed it had something to do with ministry. What I thought it had to do with ministry, that wasn't it. But it did have something to do with ministry. I went to Ramah, graduated from Ramah, and somebody wants to start a church in this area or wants to have a Bible study, and they want somebody from Ramah to lead it, and the pastor thinks of me. Now, if I hadn't moved to his church, would he have thought of me? No. If I hadn't gone to Ramah, would he have thought of me? Probably not. See, everything fell into place one step after another. I was led to leave a church for the right reason. I wasn't mad. We hated to leave the church of God. We loved everybody in that church. They loved us. We had, I had kind of grown up, you know, after I'd got back into fellowship with the Lord, you know, I'd kind of uh, grown up a little spiritually and people uh, had, had become to, had come to respect me and, and, uh, uh, you know, we were, a, we were a vital part of that church. We loved that church and they loved us. So I said all that to say this. God does sometimes call people out of a church for a particular reason. But when he does, there is good fruit. What I've been talking about in the last few weeks is when people leave for the wrong reasons. And I've seen so much of that. And how can you tell the fruit? The resulting fruit, things that happen to that family or that person or whoever it might be as a result of, in other words, what happens after they make the decision to leave, you can, you can see a lot just by looking at the fruit in somebody's life. Amen. God wants us to stay put because he has something for us until he tells us to leave. And I tell you what, there are, there are not... Overall, there's just not going to be that much moving around by the Lord because we're not all called to full-time ministry. There aren't special situations for most people. I mean, we've had people tell us in the past, you know, they were, they were, they were uh, unhappy and so they're going to leave. Well, why are you leaving? Well, you know, I, we've had people say, well, we, we don't know where. I said, where are you going? Well, we don't know. I said, now you're telling me that you're in a good church where you're being blessed, your family's being blessed, and you don't know where you're going. You wouldn't think, <laughs> you wouldn't think people would, would do this. But this, is, this, is not, this hasn't happened just once. This has happened several times. I've had people say, well, you know, just like Abraham, just like Abraham was called to go out into a place that he knew not. I thought, really? You're, you're, you're now identifying, you've now got an Abraham complex. So you mean that God is going to make of you a new nation? Listen, there aren't many Abrahams out there, okay? But I've actually had people tell me that. Yeah, it, well, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what God's got, but I just know, just like Abraham, he, he told Abraham to go and he's told us to go. Every one of those cases, when you drill down a little bit past the surface, offense. Every single time, offense. When God's in something, it makes sense. Amen. Now, it didn't look like it made sense for me to leave my church where my wife had just started going 
But she wasn't prospering there. She wasn't flourishing spiritually. By the time we left one year later, by the time we left that other church to go to Ramah, she wasn't real happy about going into the ministry, but spiritually, as far as her serving God and being open to that, I mean, there was a major transformation in her life during that year at that Word of Faith church. So there's, you know, there, there are reasons for things. Amen. God, God puts us in places, like I said last week, and just because there is conflict, that's no uh, indication that it's time to leave. I, I said last week that sometimes when people are in conflict in a local church, they'll get this super spiritual idea. Well, you know, I'm just going to leave and get out of the strife since I'm, you know, seem to be a source of contention in the church. And I'm just going to leave so there will be peace. Well, that just sounds real holy, but it's really wrong. I said last week, sometimes the people who stay and are still fighting are more spiritual than the person that left because they think they're just super spiritual. The, 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 the thing is, they got out of the, of the conflict. You know, the best way, not, not the best way, the only way, the only way to learn how to walk in love is to be put in a situation where you have to walk in love. That's the only way you're ever going to learn to love is be challenged. And I talked about, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the streams, you know, in the bottom of the of rivers, you see all these rocks and they're smooth. Well, they got that way by bumping up against each other and, the con- and they stayed put and the constant flow of water rounds them out. Well, we need to stay put where we are. Amen. Uh The storms of life come to everybody. And you know, storms make us strong. Amen. A tree needs heat and drought in order to put down deep roots. When I was planting some some shrubs in my backyard, uh, uh, Captain Kirby, you know, after I'd gotten them in and we'd been a few, he said, "Now, now, Pastor, you need to cut back on the watering. He said, you need to start stressing those bushes out some. You need to start cutting back the watering until they begin to look like they're seeing the, they're feeling the effect, the leaves drew. He said, then water them again. He said, if you don't do that, if you keep watering them every day, the roots will just continue to grow right on the surface and they won't spread. They don't have any reason to spread out because you're watering them in an area that's about you know, three feet across and that's where, they're, that's where the roots are gonna stay. He said, you need to start stressing those trees out and those plants out and that will help them establish bigger root system. Well, the the storms of life come to everybody. Well, just because you're going through a storm is no indication there's something wrong with you. What kind of a person would would you think uh, someone to be if you were going through, you know, storms, how many of you had storms of life come? Anybody? Everybody has. Everybody that's lived for God for any length of time, you've gone through some things. There's been some times of trying and testing. Well, what kind of a friend would it be for somebody to say, well, you know, Sister Iris seems to be going through a a bad time. I need to stay away from her. I don't need to be associated with her because, I mean, something must be wrong with her. She's going through a bad time. That's absurd. Did you know that the storms of church life come to every church? 
say that again. The storms of church life come to every church. I'm going to say it three times. The storms of church life come to every church. Now, they shouldn't be happening all the time necessarily. But given time, every church is going to go through some trying times. During that trying time, that's not the time for people to start looking around and saying, well, what's wrong with our church? I think I need to go somewhere else because there's stuff, you know, our church is going through a trying time. Back in, and I said last week, 2008, 2000, it was actually 2010 and 11, but it started in 08 and 09. A lot of people left our church. This isn't to, I'm not thinking about anybody. Listen, you have to be able to talk about things. So it's been long enough I can talk about it. I had people actually in my congregation, and, and some of you are still here now. Thank God. But some of you and some others came up to me and said, well, pastor, what's wrong with our church? All these people are leaving. I, something's wrong. What's wrong with our church? I said, nothing wrong with the church. Nothing wrong with the church. Just because somebody's leaving doesn't mean anything's wrong with the church. Church was going through a sifting time. Now, I'm not, I'm not one of those that, that believes for it or thinks it's wonderful. Over the years, we've had guest speakers, and this is just an old preacher saying. I've heard it umpteen times. But I've actually had people in my pulpit, guest ministers, I don't know what they were teaching on it, remember, but somehow they got on this subject that, you know, churches, you know, when people leave churches, I've heard preachers get up in the pulpit and say, well, every living, every living organism, organism has to have a bowel movement every once in a while. I have them say that in my pulpit. Now, now you think it's ridiculous, but I, I know preachers all over the place that have said that. That's kind of a, a common saying. And I just think it's about as disgusting as it comes because you're saying people are, you know, that's just wrong, okay? So I'm not one of those that, that likes that comparison and I don't think it's right and, and I don't like to see anybody go anywhere. But there will be times when if people aren't going where the church is going, if they're not willing to go in the same direction, then... If God gives them ample opportunity to make course corrections, but over time, if somebody's just not going to go with the direction of the church, you just have to let them go. It's not pleasant. It's not, it doesn't feel good. I don't enjoy it. But, I, but you just have to let it happen. But the thing that bothers me is I know that when people get out of their place, they're the ones that are going to suffer the consequences. I'm not going to suffer. The church isn't going to suffer the consequence. They're going to suffer the consequence. Amen. Uh, like I said, the storms of life, storms of church life come to every church. And when they come, you know, you'd have to, you have to ask yourself, well, what did the Lord say? What's the last thing he told me about this church? Don't let offense give you a reason to get out of God's best for you. Not that God can't bless you somewhere else. That's not the point. If he, if he sets you here because you were pleased to be here and you love the church and you were being ministered to and the church hasn't changed, well, why would you want to uproot? See what I'm saying? I, there's, a, there's a scripture in Galatians that uh, I think is appropriate here. Galatians chapter 
3, Galatians chapter 3, let's see, no, sorry, chapter 4, Galatians 4. He said, uh, verse 11, I am afraid for you. Notice he didn't say I'm afraid of you. He said I'm afraid for you. He didn't say I'm afraid for myself. He said I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. Now what he's referring to is this is the letter to the Galatians. And Galatia was a region. It wasn't a city. It was a region. And included in the region of Galatia was Lystra, Derbe, Iconium. Those places where Paul went on his first missionary journey. If you remember, he was beaten and and dragged out of the city, left for dead. And then the disciples uh, gathered around him, book of Acts. And he rose up and went back into the city and, and I think it was uh, in, in Lystra, one of those three, uh, Derby, one of those three cities. That's what he was talking about. He had been beaten and actually stoned and left for dead. So that's his physical infirmity. He said, you know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise nor reject but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. He said, I looked like a sight, a bloody mess, all beat up with rocks and stones. And he said, what you saw, you didn't despise it or reject it. You received me as an angel of God, even as the Lord Jesus. Now, the New King James uh, misreads, mis, misquotes, or, or translates the next verse or the next part of that. Let me find it. Where am I at here? Yeah. Verse 15 says in the, in the original King James, where is then the blessedness you spoke of? He's talking about how they thought, what they thought about him. If he, and that, that's what this is really talking about because the context bears this out. Verse number 14, he's talking about himself and how they received him as an angel of God, even as Jesus Christ. And then in the, the, the rest of verse 15, he said, for I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. So he's talking about the blessedness that they thought from him. In other words, the blessing he was to them. He said, in the beginning, when I first preached the gospel, the temptation which was in my flesh, you didn't despise nor reject, but you received me as an angel of God. Where then is the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you'd have plucked out your own eyes and given to me. Am I now therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? What he's saying is, what's changed? What's changed? See, people need to be reminded of the blessedness of their church. Are you following me? You need to be reminded of of how good it is and how much God has blessed you 
Amen. And not throw that away because of some uh, little something that has been blown out of proportion. There will always be little things. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, will God sometimes, well, instead of asking the question, I'll just say it. Sometimes God will allow people to run from situations he desires them to face. Sometimes, how many times have you heard somebody say, well, I just believe the Lord's leading me? How many times? Every time. (laughs) I've never had anybody say, I'm just mad. And I'm just being a, a, a little baby, whiny, and I'm full of the flesh, and I'm just leaving. I've never had anybody say that. Every time they've said, well, I've prayed about it, Pastor, and I feel led. I've had people say, well, pastor, now you've taught us. Have them tell me this. You've taught us to follow the inward witness. And the inward witness is telling me I need to go. Now, it's, again, I, I know the context. They're really bad. But they're convinced the Lord. The Lord's told them. They're, yeah, I'm going to follow my peace. What that simply means a lot of times is I'm going to get out from the heat. I'm going to get away from the heat and naturally your your flesh then feels relaxed because the Spirit of God's not working on you anymore because you've you've left that situation. But I'm going a step further. Sometimes the Lord will actually give somebody direction to leave when he doesn't want them to. Yeah, he will. You see, if someone is determined on running from the situations in their life, it's not God's best, but God loves them. And sometimes God will actually allow them, in other words, give them a release and a leading to go ahead and leave. And yet it's not, it's not, it's not God's best. Now, do we have scripture for that? Sure we do. Elijah ran from Jezebel, did he not? You remember the story of Elijah? You know, he killed the prophets of Baal and, and Jezebel said, I'm gonna take your head and, and Elijah ran. Well, that wasn't the will of God. Ran from a little old woman. I mean, he had just, he'd just come back from Carmel and the fire of God had come down, consumed the sacrifice. You would have thought that was his big day. The next thing you know, Jezebel's got him on the run. He ran. Well, he wasn't in the will of God, but God provided for him. Why did God provide for him? Because he loved him. Yeah. Now, if you go and read the rest of the story, right after that, the Lord appeared to him and said said some other things to him, but right at the end, uh, the very next conversation that the Lord had with him, right at the end of that, he said, now, I want you to anoint so-and-so as king, uh, to, to serve in, in uh, Ahab's stead. And he said, I want you to anoint Elisha to minister in your stead. It really sh- cut his ministry short. Elijah, Elisha and Jehu had to end up cleaning up the mess that Elijah left behind. 
And it happened because he got out of God's best. Did God still love him? Yeah. Did he still provide for him? Yeah. Did he still take him up into heaven in, a, in, a, in, in you know, uh, first class? Yeah. But it wasn't his best for him to leave. He lost his ministry over it, really. And God had to bring his, his, his successor on the scene a little early. See, if we are set in our hearts not to face difficult situations, God will actually release us, even though it's not his perfect will, Regardless, we will always suffer the consequences of our disobedience. Yeah, but the Lord led me. Not really. That wasn't his first leading. Remember Balaam? Balaam, in the Old Testament, Balaam was a prophet for hire. He prophesied for money. And so the Moabites, uh, Balak's sent to him, you know, and, and the Israelites had, had come just, you know, the, the say something about, I thought you said something. The Israelites had... had uh, shown up on the other side of the Jordan and there was just this vast nation of people and the Moabites were afraid. They said, they're going to kill us. So Balak sent for, for Balaam and, and asked him, Balaam was a prophet for hire, asked him to curse the children of Israel. Well, Balaam you know, goes before the Lord and the Lord said, you can't curse them, they're my people. You can't curse whom I've blessed. So Balaam went back and said, I can't do it. I went to the Lord about it and, and I can't curse them because they're God's blessed people. And so Balak offered him more money. He offered him money to begin with, then he, then he upped the ante. You know what ba- Balaam should have done? Balaam should have said, I told you. I've already prayed about it, and God said, don't do it. But that's not what Balaam did. He went back to the Lord and asked the Lord again if he could curse him. And this time, the Lord said, go. The first time, he said, do not curse the children of Israel and do not go to Balak. The second time, he said, Go ahead and go to Balak. Was that his perfect will? No. On the way, you remember what happened? On the way, an angel, the Bible says that God was provoked and an angel of the Lord stood in the way. Remember he was riding on his donkey? And the donkey saw in the spirit and, and Balaam didn't, didn't, uh, Balak, uh, Balaam didn't see it, but the donkey saw the angel of the Lord and took off out into a field. And so Balaam gets his, his stick and starts beating the, the donkey, gets it back in the path, and now it's going through a, a, a narrow place. And uh, the angel of the Lord appears to the donkey again. And so the donkey didn't have very much option, so he ran into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot. So Balaam gets his stick out and starts beating the donkey again. So then he gets up and he's, on, he's going a little bit further and he's in another narrow spot and there was no place to go and the donkey sees the angel of the Lord. And the angel had a, had a sword in his hand that was drawn, the Bible said a drawn sword. So this time the donkey just fell down on his, on, he just laid down with Balak on the back up, Balaam on the back of the donkey. Donkey just lays down. So Balaam gets up and starts beating the donkey and the donkey said, why are you beating me? The donkey starts talking. And but Balaam didn't say, what, Mr. Ed? He just starts having a conversation with the donkey. The donkey said, why are you beating me? And Balaam said, because you won't go where I tell you to go. And about that time, Balaam then saw the angel of the Lord. Then he realized while the donkey, the donkey said, you're beating me, I'm not going that way. The Bible says that, that God opposed Balaam and yet the Lord told Balaam to go. 
No, he turned that around. He told him to go. Then he turned around and, and forbade him. It was tried to kill him. I'm saying that there's a permissive place to be in the things of God, but it's not the best. God will sometimes give a person permission to do something that he's already told them not to do because of their stubbornness. But it doesn't go well. If you read the rest of the story of Balaam, it didn't go well with him. The Old Testament, it, it, it talks about the madness of the prophet. He ended up teaching Balak to lead the children of Israel into adultery. So not a good turnout for him. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We'll stop right there. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Amen. We want to stay in love with one another. Amen. We want to, we want to, we want to nurture love among one another. When somebody does something that, that uh, uh, you, listen, it's impossible, Jesus said, it's impossible that, but that offenses shall come. So you're going to face offense. But don't let offense get you out of the will of God. Learn how to deal with offense and recognize it. Too often people do what Jesus said. He said, uh, talking to the Pharisees, he said, you justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. Very often we justify ourselves in things. We, because we want to do a certain thing and because we're, we're really sometimes, the, the, it's not all the time, but sometimes what's behind it is we've gotten offended and so we want to take another action so we begin to work up a justification. God knows. Amen. A mature believer learns to recognize those things. And it's impossible to go to maturity without learning how to handle offense. It's impossible to go to maturity as a Christian without learning how to handle offense because it's, it's coming. Amen. And so God wants us to grow up, to learn to love one another, even when, even when certain people don't act right, even when certain people are rude, even when some people don't seem to be caring, there will always be people in a local church who are takers. They're givers and they're takers. And... You know, the sooner you accept that, the happier you'll be. I heard uh, Keith Moore say this one time years ago. He said, I learned early on in ministry not to expect anything from anybody. He said, and to this day, and he said it recently again, he said, I never expect anything from anybody. He said, that way I'm not disappointed. He said, people will come up to me and, and, you know, when you have a well-known traveling ministry, people like to flock around you, you know, and offer you all of, these, all of this help and all the support and what have you, you know. And he said, people, people promise me all kinds of stuff. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. He said, I look around a few months later, and they're gone. I wonder, well, what happened to them? He said, but the reason I'm able to handle that is I never expect them to. I never expect anybody to do anything. If anybody does something for me, praise the Lord. If they don't, well, I didn't expect them to anyway. He said, it just keeps my heart right. 
there's sometimes you have to just, you know, I know that's not real, that doesn't sound real positive, but that's just the way it is sometimes. There are people who, there are people who will never treat you right. I mean, seemingly, no matter what you do, no, no matter how nice you try to be or how considerate you try to be, it's just like they are not going to give you a, a, a fair break ever. Well, there, there'll always be people like that, and unfortunately, they'll, they'll sometimes be in the local church. These things tend to happen where the stakes are the highest and where the love of God is the strongest. That's where we tend to notice these things because, you know, you're around Brother Doug, and he's just Mr. Lovey-Dovey, you know. He's just, I mean, Doug, Doug is just, you know, bless your heart. He, isn't it Doug like that? Not really. <laughs> Doug's just like, well, praise the Lord. If you're here, good. If you're not here. Doug told me, he said, well, we run another one off. <laughs> Other people are just real lovey-dovey. I'm not one of those. I'm more like Doug. Some people are like Iris. Bless her heart. Don't you wish everybody could be like Miss Iris? but they're not. And so it's easy to love Miss Iris. Not so easy, Brother Doug, sometimes. I'm just kidding, Doug. I'm talking about Dan, not you, really. I just didn't, I just didn't want to use his name. <laughs> no, we, 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 have to, we have to walk in love and, and love thinks the best of everybody all the time. Even when the hard evidence is different. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.